Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey along with my co-host Dr. Christy Stewart coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And today's show is all about a vision, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And we first we wanted to thank Susan for coming up with another sh great show topic. And we wanted to spend some time talking about the ancient concept of a vision quest. The idea of intentionally spending time to figure ourselves out. So let's get started with this vision quest. So Christy, what is it? Well, vision quests are most typically done by native people of both North and South America, where an individual goes out into an isolated location, engages in prayer without food or water for a period of time. And it's all in the hopes of some supernatural experience, which usually revolves around some type of totem animal or guardian spirit. And the purpose is to gain insight on the individual's life purpose. Uh, the Indian belief is that we're all interconnected, kind of that illusion of separation that we talk about, uh, to each other and to our planet, and that our destiny is unique and part of a universal puzzle, if you will, and that finding our unique peace is important to the whole. And finding oneself on a vision quest where you escape your normal surroundings and distractions of your normal life, where you can pray, meditate, and allow your mind to focus. It really is across the board on who and what did these vision quests. Uh, most tribes it is males when they come of age. Some are women when they reach childbearing years. Some are just the shamans or the spiritual leaders of their tribes. And in some extremes, the rituals of self-mutilation, that finding your vision through overcoming the body's pain, and others used hallucinogenics. Well, I got to tell you, put me in a place where I don't have any food or water, I'll have some hallucinations. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> yes, I, you pro I probably want to be in solitary. You know? <laughs> Basically, it's about people being in isolation, right? Mm -hmm. Again, with no food or water <laughs> to find their purpose. I'm right. not exactly sure how you find your purpose with no food or water, people, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> well, there's pretty much four elements to the vision quest, and that's solitude, being alone to get in touch with yourself, uh, immersion in nature, taking them back to the truth and that we are all interconnected and not separate from the natural world. Fasting, uh, again, not uh -huh. your favorite thing, but no. a way to open up the mind and the heart and cleanse the body. And that's not just a, I mean, that's a pretty universal thing. I was going to say fasting. fasting's been around forever. And the fourth component is community, being able to take the lessons learned from the solitude and what you experienced in this, in, in this being isolated in nature and how you can take those experiences to find your place within your community. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not one to judge, but <laughs> a lot of cultures do this, right? A lot of cultures uh, right, get into this, right, right? Right, right, right. A lot of them do. Most of them are very similar. Indians' ancient vision quest is just one of them. Um, and just to, we're going to talk about a few others, but the Aborigines walkabouts... Okay. Um, now you're going to love this, folks. Cause <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about the Amish. I'm going to say it's Rum Springa. Rum, Rum Springa. Rum Springa. And, you know, for those that know what that actually says, shoot us a email. <laughs> let go. us know. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the gap years, which are most commonly a European thing. And, you know, when you told me about this, I really like this idea, too. I think we should... Definitely try to get people to start doing this with their kids. We're too old, but <laughs> there you, know. you go. And the sacred pilgrimages throughout the world. We're going to talk. Those are the things we're going to talk about. Are all very similar to a vision quest. The basic concepts are the same. Okay, so let's talk about the walkabout since you know we're right there because <laughs> this is the one I like the most. <laughs> well, the Australian walkabouts are pretty amazing, and they're again they're very similar to the 
uh, Indian vision quest, uh, where males ages 10 to 16, most of them more commonly, I think, 13-year-olds, where they live in the wilderness for six months uh, and they make their spiritual transition into manhood. And the goal was to make them mature enough to survive by themselves. They occur in remote areas of the outback to create a break from the modern culture in order to create a connection with the traditional spiritual roots, if you will. Again, very similar to going in isolation, going out in nature. Again, you're having to find your own food and water source. And again, it really is about finding yourself and how you fit back with community when you come back into the tribe or, or what have you. And it, again, it's really a way of finding one's life purpose and being interconnected with nature. But think about this, folks, for a minute. You can kick your teenager out. <laughs> your 13-year-old. That's right. right. You for don't like months. it here? Oh, I've got somewhere for you to go. I mean... <laughs> You don't like this for dinner? Let's That's see what right. you hunt for dinner. There you go. Well, there's a great book. It's called The Mutant Message by Marlo Morgan. And uh, she, some of it's fiction, but she talks about a, her, her vision quest of the Aborigines walkabout. It's pretty incredible. If this concept of what we talk about today, if you like it, it is a great book of taking you on a journey through the outback of Australia. It's really well, a super good book. And I mean, I, you may not know this off the top of your head, but I know you do a lot of travel stuff. Do, do they do offer tours for like walkabouts in Australia? They do. Well, they offer tours here in the states if you want to do some type oh, really? of vision quest too there's a lot of companies that, that offer those things they they take you out in a group and then they split you up into isolation and then they kind of bring you back together that's uh, pretty common i did not know this yeah. okay yeah. this is but yeah there's all kinds of there's all kinds of people who do this which kind of i'm sorry but it kind of defeats the whole concept if you do it on a tour <laughs> you know I, I mean i guess you know you can make money on anything but the idea is not to have a safety net, right? The idea okay. is to actually go out and fend for yourself. If you're going out in a group and going out in solitude and coming back, you know, there's somebody knows you're missing. So well, that's my not, kind not of vision quest. I got to take. And if you want to go do this as a vision quest and hire a company to do it, so be it. I, okay. I support you in that. But you got to support me in this because <laughs> if I'm going to go on a vision quest, I need to know that when I come out of my fasting for six hours in a tent <laughs> that they're going to have water and a meal and maybe a shower for me or something. Yeah, my, my comment on that is that you're probably not suited for a vision quest then. Probably not, but... <laughs> but I guess that they, you know, people can find themselves any way that they can. And if that works for people, right. that's great. I, I don't think that would work for me, but I think that that's good if, if I support you in that. <laughs> Well, let's move on to the Amish. Now, they're great for making quilts and bread and butter. Yeah. But they also have a it, kind of like the whole transition into adulthood and things like that, their own form of it. It's And again, well, I think we might be butchering it, but I think it's called Ram Spring Run. You know, there are many myths about this. Yes. Um, which really all that that word means is running around. Running around. That's what it means. Really. It's thought that the Amish community encourages this in times of adolescence to go out into the world and experience what the world has to offer. That's the myth. See, I thought, I, I really thought that they, they did push for it. And... From what I found, that's not true. They don't push for it. And, uh, but they, they don't encourage it, but they don't restrict it either. So if that's what you want, you want to go out and be wild and crazy, then they're going to allow you to do that. Smoke, drink. All of those things. Okay. Uh, have sex, anything you want to do. Before I spent too much time looking into this, I thought that was an individual thing, just like the vision quest, right? That mm -hmm. you go out into the world and find yourself 
but that is not what it is at all. Now communities differ depending upon the size, but it really revolves around youth groups. Okay. You know, most don't leave home and they continue to attend church. Most of them continue to do their daily activities. They just have these youth groups that they go to and they can have these wild parties basically. And a youth group they... and wild parties. I don't. Right. right. <laughs> Since it's the pre-church membership, you know, they're able to break all the rules of the church. That's basically the concept. Mm. So you're of age to get married and to do those things. They, you can choose to join these groups that some are more wild than others, as I understand. You know, yeah, again, they do have sex. They do experiment with drugs. They do, I guess there's a lot of drinking in a lot of them. Drinking is the primary thing, I think. I would, I would think um, so. But it's really about breaking the rules and traditions, a time to decide if you want to join the church and formalize yourself into that social setting and these are great opportunities where people come from a, a distance to have these youth groups. And so you meet all, a lot of other people your age. And it's about finding a spouse. That's another primary oh, I thing. Not it's know about that. finding a spouse. Oh. What I read was a lot of these uh, youth groups, even if they come from you know all over the Midwest to have these big parties and things, that these are friendships that you generally last throughout their entire life when they have these experiences. So it's kind of interesting, but it really is about finding a spouse um, more than kicking them out um, like the Aborigines walk about and go fend for yourself. That's that's not what it is at all. Well, I got to tell you, in the in the book, American Dreams Revisited, mm-hmm. that, they had a great story about a man and his wife that left the Amish life. You know, I, it, it seems it's more about making that decision, right? You know? I think it is. It's really about deciding whether you want to be baptized and join the church and stay in your community follow the rules, you know, get married and, and find your place. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you want to, like in the book, do you want to leave the community and go out on your own and find your way? And it is true that a lot of communities do kind of excommunicate you, right? You don't have connection with your family right. anymore. Uh, that That is true in some. It's not true in others. In the book, those people still had relationship with their family and they did go home, even though they were living a normal, what we would consider normal life in the real the world. The English life, I the think. Eng- is the English life. They were leaving, Air quotes, folks. There you go. They were they were living the English life, but they did not get uh, shunned by their family. But oh. some do. But some, some do. do get shunned by their family. The part that I found was really cool is that it wasn't encouraged. I, I really thought that they they forced them to do that. So Right. Yeah. No, I'm I was, glad that I was they surprised don't. by that. Yeah. I was surprised by that. Another one that you've brought up throughout the years since I've known you is the European gap years. And I didn't even know this existed until you told me about it. And you've done some research, even more research than the things that you already knew about. And I think that this is something that we should probably start encouraging. I really <laughs> well, do. Well, I, th- I think you see more of it now in the U.S. Than you, than you have in the past. Of The gap year, again, it's more common in Europe than it is here. And sometimes it's referred to sabbatical years. Uh, it's typically the year after high school and before college, but there it really isn't an age rule to that, right? Especially in academics or academia, the sabbatical year, you work so many years as a tenure professor, you get a sabbatical year. Uh, that's very common. Mm-hmm. Um, now they, and, and you can travel the world. You can do, a lot of people write their book during that time. They take, you know. And they, some they of them some, actually required? Some of them, them are required. If you take a sabbatical year, uh, you, it's research-based, but it gives you a year to do research on something that's in your field and write a book. Okay. Um, that, that is very common. But sabbatical years can be all kinds of different things. And in, in, uh, organized religion, uh, many pastors, it's in their contract that after X amount of years, you get a sabbatical 
month or two months or six months or what have you that you continue to get paid and you can take a sabbatical that's very common okay. in, in those professions as well but in europe it really you know really is about traveling abroad now you can just travel abroad learn a new language volunteer we do this in the form of a peace corps right we have a lot of people i don't know if it's common or how common it is now but that kids uh, graduate from high school they go do a year in the peace corps they come back and they go to college that's what we're talking about Europeans, okay. this is just part of their culture, uh, where it's not necessarily a part of our culture. But most of them travel, and I, I have met so many people in my travels on this gap year voyage, and uh, single men, single women, couples, which is really interesting. I've met a lot of couples, the people that are engaged, mm-hmm. and they go out on this year quest. Many that go travel around the world, they buy a around-the-world airline ticket, and so they travel each continent, and they spend a year together to figure out how well they're going to be married. Oh, that's, good. that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, they spend 24-7 pretty much together, and it, uh, it really is pretty interesting because you face a lot of struggles, right? You get a oh, lot wow. of struggles, a lot of triumphs, uh, which is going to prepare you pretty well for, for the struggles you're going to have when you get married. Right. Um, well, it definitely give you some problem-solving skills along the way. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. You know, it started in the 1960s in the UK. And again, it's considered a rite of passage into adult, adulthood. But I can tell you from my experience in spending time in many of these countries with a lot of these, these young people, mm-hmm. it really helps in preparation for the real world ahead, I have to say, especially when imagine. it comes to time and money. Okay. Like in what way? You know, most of these kids are on a, a very tight financial budget, right? That They've raised well, money or, you know, You're whatever. 18 or whatever. You don't have a lot of money going but in. But you learn in. quickly in life that money can be very unpredictable, right? What you think something's going to cost, something costs more. You know, in the real world, right, you, you have a budget and you're barely making it and then the furnace goes out. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They have these moments, right? Their gear breaks or... They have to get some other type of transportation or the, where they were going to stay, they can't stay. So now they have to stay at a hotel that costs them twice as much. And so now where are you going to make up that? It's funny. to It's actually kind of funny <laughs> to watch. But spending a year with just the stuff that's in your backpack, you know, that's eye-opening, right? To what you really need in the world. Because these kids live with what they have. Right. You know, some of them buy things and ship it home. But most of them were living out of their backpack for a year. Well, I'm not gonna say being my age now, mm-hmm. which is 22. No, I'm just. <laughs> but being my age now, this wouldn't interest me. I, I, I have right. no interest. But I gotta tell you, being 18, 19, I think that would have been great to get yeah. out there, travel the world. But here, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience, I think we're too frightened to do that. And the 18-year-old me would have been terrified to even think about going some other to some other country and spending six weeks there i would i didn't want to spend six weeks in Terre Haute, which is not even 100 (laughs) miles away so right well see i do these things all the time right so it and i have people ask me that aren't you afraid to sleep in a tent out in the middle of nowhere by yourself in some third world country if i was always no (laughs) if i was i wouldn't do it right Right. i mean i wouldn't do it but i guess if it was part of your culture and see this is where i think the 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 divide is if it was part of our culture that you would just do this then i don't think the fear factor is there so i i i i applaud them for doing that i think it's fascinating that they that they really try to cultivate that well i've i've spent a lot of time with some of these guys right i've I've bought a many meals over the years and shared some of my supplies with them because you know (laughs) i could go get something else 
Um, and it really is finding purpose, right? Clarity and listening to their struggles and thinking, oh, honey, if you think that's a struggle, <laughs> wait till life smacks you. Right. Because that, you know, oh, my, you know, my zipper broke on my coat. Oh, you just started this journey, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> because that's going to, that's going to, you're not even going to remember the zipper broke on your coat here in about six months. When you got months. binder clips holding right. it together. That's and... right. When you're, you're just sitting waiting for a train that never comes, mm. you know, I mean, in the freezing cold or, I mean, there's all kinds of things. But yeah, no, it, the, the gap years is a very European thing and it's, uh, it's very common and it's very good for them. It's got to be fun though. I mean, because if it wasn't later on when they're thinking about it, it wasn't fun, they wouldn't cultivate it for their kids to do it i suppose so right at some point there has got to be a wonderful memory for them to pass that along to say hey you know when you turn 18 you know sally or bob or whatever a european name would be but you know it's <laughs> it, it, they could they they right. push them to do this i think right. that's cool yep the next one we're going to talk about is one that you embrace they're the sacred pilgrimages and there's four major ones and they're genuinely religious in nature and two you have done, and one you're planning to do this fall. So let me let, let me see if I can get this right, okay? Okay. So the two you have done. One was the Inca Trail, then that's to Machu Picchu. Now, see, this way, you've done this twice, so this should really count as three, I have done this right? twice. Yeah, I have and, done I don't want to do it again. <laughs> I've done it twice. Oh, and you tell stories about it? It's like, you should do that. Why? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, the other one you've done was the Camino de Santiago, and that's across Spain, and that's... 390 miles? Uh, we did 390, yeah. It's oh, a little you, over 400. We did 300. Yeah, you start okay. in France and walk all the way across Spain to the Atlantic. So there's the two you've done. Yep. And then the next one is the hike to Rome, which includes the Canterbury Trails that continue on to Rome, right? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna add on. Oh, Canterbury. you're adding I'm on I'm adding to on the Canterbury okay. Trail. It's, it starts from Canterbury and goes to Rome. Uh, it's a little over 2,000 miles, I think. Uh, but I'm going to add on. <laughs> the Canterbury yeah. Trails, the, the 112 miles of the Canterbury Trails, I'm going to add on to it. And then the last one is the hiking in Jerusalem, right? Or, right, the hiking into Jerusalem. The and hiking since I'm into not, Jerusalem. Since I'm not Muslim, I can't actually get into Mecca, but I can hike to it. So you're going to do like a, you know, a six-week hike to someplace you can't even get into. But so let's, let's talk about this for just a second. So mm -hmm. the Inca Trail. Inca Trail. Now, why is that one one of the four why is that one like a, a spiritual hike well machu picchu is considered one of the most sacred it's one of the seven wonders of the world now and is considered one of the most sacred places on the planet i can tell you the energy at that facility is unbelievably incredible the hike to it is very difficult day two of the inca trail hike uh if you ask me the most difficult things i've ever done I will tell you, number one and number two are the day two <laughs> on that track. You're at over 20,000 feet uh, in elevation, so there is no air, and you are hiking straight up cobblestone steps for like six to eight hours. It is brutal. It is very, Sounds very appealing. Difficult. I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> is very, it is very difficult. It is absolutely beautiful, but Machu Picchu itself is an extraordinarily sacred, sacred place, so... Now, she hated the day two so much, she decided to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did do it twice. I didn't necessarily want to do it the second time, but other people wanted to do it, and I was like, okay. And not only did I do that, but I towed Sally Hillman the entire That's... three days. The first three days, I hooked a rope to myself and towed her for three days. So is, it's considered yeah. a sacred pilgrimage because of the energy that you get right, from Right, because it's okay. a sacred place. It's one of the most sacred places on the planet. And Peru itself is very sacred. 
So, okay. you know, that's where the NASTEC lines are and, you know, say the extraterrestrials come visit oh, and those different yeah. things. So, yeah, Peru is a very, very special place in itself. But Machu Picchu, if, if you've never been there, if you have an opportunity, if you take the train, it is uh, exquisite. It's extraordinary. Now, the train goes there, so you don't have to do the hike, right? right? You okay. can take it via train. I've okay. been there a few times via the train. Okay. I've hiked it twice, and I've been there other times via the train. So, let's talk about the Camino de Santiago. So, first of all, tell us what that means. The Way of St. James is okay. what it means. Uh, we did a whole show on it, I think uh, our second show. Yes. So if anybody's interested in that pilgrimage, we did a whole show on that. Donna Richardson and I hiked 390 miles of it. We hiked all the way to Finisterre. There's a movie um, by Martin Sheen called The Way, if you're interested. And it, it's, a, it's a movie, but he actually walked the whole way. Now explain to us what it means uh, to do it because it's a sacred pilgrimage what why is it a sacred it's pilgrimage? A, well it's a long story again we go into this in detail in right. the show and the history of it but so basically, you give us a cliff note version okay i'll give it. you the cliff note version basically after christ's crucifixion uh the disciples the 12 disciples fled or the 11 disciples i guess fled they went back to their homeland to evangelize and bring more people to the realization of christ being mm-hmm. the son of god james is from uh, the Finisterre area, the Santiago area. And so he actually um, took a boat via that to France, and then he hiked, was hiking home. Now, the signif- one of the significance of, of the Camino de Santiago is it is the only place on the planet that the energy field of the Earth and the energy field of the Milky Way line up perfectly. So there is a very supernatural spiritual presence along that path. And, and you felt this. Oh, I did. I, okay. had, I had a lot of memories. I had a lot of experience, uh, things that came to me afterwards. Uh, Shirley MacLaine has an amazing book of her journey. It's pretty out there, but it's really, it's really a good book. And it is an amazing experience. It was a long way. We encountered terrible weather. And we <laughs> had no intention of fasting, but we ended up fasting. <laughs> Because we had nothing was open, and so we were starving. You know, you walk uh, 30 kilometers in a day, and, and you don't have any food, and nothing is open. But, uh, but yeah, we talk in detail about about what that means in that in that in our show on the Camino. So that's basically what it is. He became a martyr after he was beheaded for going back to Jerusalem, and uh, they buried him. And the Cathedral of Santiago is actually built on his remains. And it is a very sacred, very religious place. And, in, and there's no place other than Finisterre, Spain. No better place than Finisterre, Spain to be on Easter, I can tell you. I've been there on Easter. It's an amazing experience <laughs> amazing to be experience. there on Easter. Well, and i got to say, this, it's interesting because no, if anybody knows you, this does not surprise anybody that now you want to bring it up to a 2,000-mile hike. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a little longer than that. But, yes, I'm going to hike, uh, I hope, this fall to do the first section I don't think physically with my injury I can do the entire section in one setting. So I'm actually going to add on the Canterbury Trails and go from London to Canterbury. Mm -hmm. And then from Canterbury halfway across France this year. And then go back next spring and do the rest of France, Switzerland, and Rome. Now, is Rome considered a sacred pilgrimage because it's Rome? Because it's Rome. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And and this is, uh, again, this is a pilgrimage that's been done like the Camino since... Like 500 or something is when they first started doing uh, some of these some of these pilgrimages, 
and uh, it's it's been around a very very long time. And then the and then the last again is the hike into Jerusalem. I don't know that much about that because I don't I have not I'm not planning that one at this moment. After I get back from Rome, now, then that, be... that that will be another one. And there's some other ones like uh, Mount Kalisha in Tibet, uh, hiking around that. That's that's another big one. There's there's a few other ones, but these are the four primary most sacred pilgrimages that there are. Is the is the purpose of these sacred pilgrimages, like you say, to connect it, to find a purpose and everything like that? Is this would you say that this could be everybody's way of connecting? Or well, I think everybody has their own way of connecting, and a sacred pilgrimage is not for everybody. It's not for you. Well, it's not for me. I right? Can... <laughs> it's not for you. I mean, you you like to go out and you know. I think you you were good with four days in the Grand Canyon, but I think that was about the max. So oh. it's not for everybody. It works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it works for me. It was we talked about. It's been done by the Greeks, the Israelis, the Mayans, the Chinese, Jesus Himself, Buddha, even, even the Prophet Muhammad. Right. Have have done some of these. Pil- they've all done pilgrimages. So it is an ancient concept. Uh, again, but it's not. It's really not for everybody. Everybody walks for their own reasons. They are religious in nature. Mm-hmm. At least two oh, of them okay. are Catholic in nature. Let uh, me ask you this. Okay, so mm-hmm. you've been on a couple of these. One mm-hmm. more than once and we don't know why but <laughs> did you enjoy the solitude when you had it did i did now granted the two that i've done before i've not i did not do by myself uh this one i'm actually doing by myself so this okay. will be a whole new solitude uh but what about but- people that generally find themselves to be social people and do you think that they would be it, it, let's say that this is something that they had thought about and one of the things that they're worried about is the solitude do you do you mm-hmm. become comfortable with it do you become well, I'm very comfortable with it. Okay. But I think that you get out of a sacred pilgrimage what you're supposed to get out of the sacred pilgrimage. So if so it's you're individualized, so is it? you know, yeah, we we struggled with weather. Both both all of these I've struggled with. The two I've done I've struggled with weather. <laughs> so that apparently rain is apparently my lesson to learn. But everybody has something different. So some you would really struggle with not talking to someone. You know, I just that got back from two weeks me, in yeah. Norway. Uh, where the only people that I, only person that I talked to in the entire day, literally, was checking into a hotel at night for five minutes that I would go the entire day and I never spoke to a person. Except for a soccer ball named Wilson. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I'm okay with that. I can, I can do that for day after day after day after day, and I'm fine with that. Other people would need that social interaction. Well, and see, this is what I think, because the other part of this is immersing yourself into nature. Now, when I hear that, you know what I hear? I hear sunny weather, beautiful trees, <laughs> a nice breeze. Oh. No, not when Christy does no. it. <laughs> no, we had nine straight, last nine days were in torrential, like hurricane cane rain 24 7 it was miserable and a lot of mud a lot of water of our snow yeah. sitting on your shoulders we had snow <laughs> accumulating on the back of my backpack um as well as i'm walking uh the inca trail the first time i did it it snowed uh it I, rained yeah. it was yeah i've i it's like christy's coming so bring on the bad <laughs> weather right. so but when it says immersing it. you immerse right <laughs> the book tells you it's really pretty in a delightful woodland path but um <laughs> But you all, everybody gets out of it what they're supposed to get out of it. I would say for you, this is your form self-care. It is my form of self-care. It it helps me get reconnected. It's very important to me to go out and and do 
some of these things and to go and spend time by myself and travel around, whether it be in the car like I did in Norway. Mm-hmm. So I could, there, there is a pilgrimage in Norway. I could not walk it, so I did kind of do it in the car. But yeah, this works for me. But again, it's not for everyone. No, it's not, well, you, like we said, it's not for me. I mean, I'm definitely, yeah. I love camping. <laughs> you know, and I could even deal with the rain, but see, I need to be in my camper when it's raining. So, you know, is it, but definitely yeah. taking a hike out in the woods, um, getting that whole reconnection. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely do that with camping. Not snow sitting on my shoulders. <laughs> and not for 12 weeks or, or not for know, 12 I weeks, think, you know. Yeah, and or, I know when we did the um, Havasupe Falls, I, I always joke around because I say it was a 22-mile hike. You're like, no, it's, t- it's my story. I can make it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, four days is enough for you. Yeah, four I, days. I'm, we'll, see, we'll see if I can do uh, four and a half months. <laughs> well, we already know you're going you're gonna to do it. So. <laughs> so give us some perspective on this. I mean, you know, you've done some research on what just getting out in nature does for you. Right, well, as we talked about, the, the vision quests or pilgrimages or whatever, they're not for everybody. So, but they're, they're, but everybody has to find something because we right. talked about self-care. So the, I think one of the things we want to get to in the show is not just that, even though I think that's good. How do you find those things in your everyday life? If you're a 45 year old, um, father of three with a wife and a house payment and responsibilities, you can't take four months to hike to Rome, right? That's not practical. Mm-hmm. Even if you wanted to do that, even if it worked for you, you just, you just can't do that. Right, that makes so sense. So realistically, what are some of those things that, that we can do in our everyday life to get that same connection that you would get on a vision quest? Finding your purpose, those things that we talk about, reconnecting, redefining our life that, that we have to do every day, mm-hmm. right? Because life changes. Well, from a research perspective, spending time in nature is a huge way for people to get reconnected to themselves and the world around them, which again is the purpose of the vision quest, right? In our happiness show, we said that spending time outside and walking was one reason why the Scandinavian countries were so much happier than we are. So really, I think people got to get out of nature. Well, (laughs) I I mean, it's it's being proven. A lot of cities in the U.S. are now making paths Two actual nature places like parks and things right. like that that you can actually just walk to from your house. Well, Indianapolis, you can get almost all the way around the city now. Yeah. On a path. Of so, some type of a path. And it does. I mean, we have a great little park just down the street here, and mm-hmm. you can go out into the woods, and man, it, it does. It recharges your batteries. Well, there's a lot of benefits to slowing down and spending time in nature. Um, the University of Michigan did a study on short-term memory. And they, it's interesting, they sent groups out for a walk. They divided up into two groups. And one they told to go and walk around, walk around outside, like in the woods or in the trees. Uh-huh. And the other, they went for a walk down a city street. And it's interesting because they found that the group that went and actually walked outside around trees and nature had a 20% improvement in the short-term memory test than the group really? that actually went and walked around like a downtown a city street. Really? Now, I got to say, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. But maybe because you're out there and you're open to things. I mean, I got to tell you, you're down a busy street. You're just sensory overload. It would just be... Yeah, cars and... Right, but just getting out and taking a walk in nature, you got all that from just doing that. Well, and another one, uh, Journey of Environmental Psychology said that our brain is tired, right? And that we have a feeling of not being able to think straight and stay focused that just spending a few minutes outside can improve brain activity. And then it, even in further studies, it uh-huh. was interesting that they found that you didn't even, they weren't, you weren't even required to go outside if you just looked at pictures of nature. 
your brain slowed down and settled down and you were able to think more clearly. Really? So there you go. So put your screensaver on a pretty picture. That's what, Well, I got to tell you. <laughs> I it, think it does make it. it does well, they've proven, research-wise, proves it makes a difference. It releases stress. It slows the brain down where you can actually think more clearly. I will say that I did have this time where it was real stressful work and they we had a channel that just showed nature pictures. Oh, yeah. And it I, it did. It relieved a lot of stress. So no, I find that fascinating. Well, and one thing, too, we've talked about other shows that office workers, right? If you have a window view, you have lower blood pressure, lower stress, lower inflammation. Again, your blood pressure is lower. Just by having a window to look out. Just being able to see outside. Just having a window to look outside versus having an inside cubicle where you don't have a window. And you see this now when they're making more constructions on office buildings. Well, and you were saying it was a job negotiation for millennials. Yeah. I think you were saying earlier that that was uh, having having a window. Um, The Australians and uh, people from Taiwan, they did a very huge study and found that children who played outside on recess or played outdoor sports rather than indoor sports... The, the children who played outside developed nearsightedness half of those that played inside. Really? So they, they developed an eye condition. By a playing inside. A with just yep. playing inside. Yep. So another reason to let the kids go outside and play. <laughs> there you go. And it, it, plus ADHD. If you spend 20 minutes outside, children are have a much better ability to concentrate and their ADHD uh, drastically improves well, just by I mean, spending 20 minutes outside a day. Yeah, just from the study that you saw that gave you 20% more retainability in your short-term memory. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's nothing bad about this. Well, the well I Dutch, guess if there's a lion coming after you, then okay. But, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, it's, well, it's funny because the Dutch, they did a very large study and found that if you lived near a park or a woods that your mortality rate was 12% lower than if you lived in the city or if you did not live around a park. So Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I got to tell you now, that's 12%. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's a huge number. To lessen your mortality rate just yeah, by being by around trees? Well, it also reduced uh, risk from death of cancer, lung disease, kidney disease, stress, and attention fatigue activity obviously if you live closer to a park you're gonna you probably have more opportunity to go out and walk you have a better facilitation of social contact and better air quality so just being out in nature there's a just a ton of research that just that one piece of these four pieces that we're talking about about a sacred pilgrimage of sorts just getting out in nature and especially if you can go out in nature by yourself go out on a walk by yourself then those numbers just even get even better but yes that just that one piece of getting out in nature Gives you a huge calming effect. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we talk about all these things. You know, the sacred pilgrimages, the Ram Springa, the vision quest, even getting out into nature. We talk about all these things, but sometimes, you know, that may not be for you, or maybe you don't have the necessary time for that. What are some of the things that we think about when we talk about self-care? What are some of the things that could recharge our batteries just for the right here and now? I think that's a great question, and I think that's very specific to whoever's listening. What are those things? 2,000 years ago, a sacred pilgrimage, even though it was not easy, that was available to people. That was, that was something that was respected. It was something that people just went and did. We as Americans, we don't do that. We, pilgrimages are not a thing of our culture. They right. are in other cultures, but they're not in our culture. But it can be as simple as taking a bath. I think once the kids go to bed, 
Is mm. that what calms you down? Is that what gets you back to center? Is that what you can do that slows you down enough to recharge your brain where you can go to bed and actually sleep at night? The brain needs you to sleep, right? The brain needs mm-hmm. you to calm down and slow down. Our, our culture is not designed to slow down. No, our I will say Our culture is designed that, yeah. to go, 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 go. Something's always in the inbox. So what we're talking about today are, you know, some of the sacred things that people have done that are great. I encourage you to do them if it's possible. I encourage you to go to the park on the weekend or go take the dog to the park for a walk that you haven't done in six months or something because it's proven research-based scientifically that those things help. But if those things are not available to you, what? What do you do? Is it going for a Sunday drive, right? Uh, I mean, Sunday drives, that's a thing of the past, right? People don't (laughs) go on Sunday drives that much anymore, but they're great ways to get out and experience new things. You know, the Dalai Lama in in our show, you know, experience something new new all the time. You Mm -hmm. know, go out and do something new. What are those things? Again, are they working out? right? Some people need to physically get that energy out. Right. If that's the case, do you need a home gym? Is that going to encourage you? Do you need to get up an hour earlier and go to the gym on the way to work? Mm -hmm. What do you need to go for a walk? What are those things? Sitting and reading a book, you know, kind of taking your mind off of everything. We talked about at night sitting. And if you just spend 15 minutes a night spending and thinking about what you have gratitude for, you sleep better. You are 20%, was it 25% more productive? Yeah. Uh, You're going to think better. You're going to think more clearly when you're not filling your neck with a negative. What are those things specifically for you you you. that you do? Again, for us, it's different. And it should be different, right? It should be different, right. You know, I mean, I can physically go out normally and I can, I have the time and the ability to go out and do four months of a hike in the Mm -hmm. woods. But a lot you, of people you, don't. A lot yeah. of people don't. And you don't even, even if you could, you don't want to. And that's the key, I think, right there right. is knowing the things that you want to do versus the things that you don't want to do. Right. Because if you don't want to do it, it just adds more stress. So find what you do want to do. I mean, I don't know about the mutilation in a vision quest, but. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm not that either. Again, it can be as simple as going to a movie, you know, going out on a date with your spouse, mm-hmm. right? Get a babysitter. Take a moment and reconnect. If your relationships are better, you're going to be happier. You're going to feel better. You're going to be less stressed. You're going to be more calm. You know, if you don't have to worry about coming home and fighting all the time, because, you know, one night a week, you take two hours to go out to dinner and and you you make maybe make a pact that you don't talk about finances. You don't talk about the kids. You don't talk about whatever. Well, definitely make your vision a lot better if you. (laughs) Yeah. So again, those self-care things go back and listen to our self-care show right we talk about a lot you know mary actually knows what she's talking about in those things more than we do but what are they and if you can't if you if you're sitting there saying i have no idea i don't have time for it i don't have time for it then we're, i'm going to tell you you don't have time not to right take some time out to find out what those things are then to right. take the time to actually do them right and know that just because you can't physically do what somebody else can do yeah that's okay that's, yeah. find a way find a way to get that feeling However it is, you know, we sit in the sauna, you know, I can go into the sauna. I can be the most evil person on the planet. And 30 minutes later, it's like, oh, the sun came up and it's a whole new day. (laughs) It's amazing. What are those things for you? What are those things for you? And make time, put them on your schedule, prioritize them. You don't have time not to do those things. Well, Christy, what's your final thought on today's show? I think one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that we're separate from each other and from nature. You know, in fact, we do everything we can to reinforce this separation. 
We draw imaginary lines separating states and countries. We separate ourselves based on color, language. We build walls around our hearts and, you know, literally we build walls around our country um, to keep people distanced from us. You know, I mean, we are, as you said in one show, we are a food source. We are a water source. We are breathing the same air. What we do to the environment, we do to ourselves. And what we do to ourselves comes back a hundredfold. Our actions or interactions have a ripple effect that may go unnoticed, but they still exist. As we gave several examples in our Who Are You People show, people pay attention. And you make a positive or negative change just on how you respond to things in life. Not everyone can or would want to take six weeks to go walk 500 miles. But everyone, when they feel overwhelmed, can find a window or go outside and just sit on a bench and take a break for a minute. You know, we can plan for a hike in the woods this weekend or we can, or again, if that's not your thing, maybe watching a movie that was set in the woods or set in nature. Really, it is very specific to every individual person who's listening. Find those self-care items for you that are kind of your vision quest, right? That calm you down, that help you find your purpose, that help you see your place in the world, that make you feel good about yourself, that slow down so you can smell the roses, slow down so you can enjoy those interactions with those people in your life. That's what we're talking about is reconnecting. How are you going to reconnect to the people in your life, to your community, to those people around you, to not feel separate from them? but to feel connected to them. Spend some time, ask some questions, prioritize those moments because those are the moments that you take with you. And that's your vision quest. There you go. (laughs) So we're about out of time for this show and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.